If I asked you to list your top 10 college football environments slash atmospheres slash stadiums in the country, would you be able to come up with a consistent top 10 list that you'd be able to share with your friends that they'd agree with? Probably not. Probably not. It's such an interesting discussion that we have about home field advantage. We make it to the Super Bowl so many times because they earn home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. In baseball, playing in your own park makes a huge difference because the parameters of the game literally change. So home field advantage obviously plays an important role in both professional and collegiate sports. But if you had to ask me, I would tell you that home field advantage means a lot more in a college game, basketball and football especially, than it does professionally. The first reason being how often you get to play in these environments compared to how often you get to play in these environments professionally. For example, a player for the Los Angeles Rams would play at Seattle against the Seahawks once a year. They play them home and away every single year. So let's say that player is a rookie and they play there for four years in L.A. So they'll play the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle four times in those four years. Now take that to college. You take an LSU true freshman, they'll play at Tuscaloosa, maybe the freshman year. Probably won't play that much, but maybe the freshman year they'll play some. But then they won't go back there until their junior year. And then after that, they're done. Even if they saved their senior year, they wouldn't play there again. So at the most, you're going to play there twice. And then you're done. So you don't even have enough time to mentally get used to it. But you're in the NFL. You end up playing there five, seven years, maybe even 11 if you're a quarterback. You're eventually going to get more calm and used to it. Imagine having to travel to Ohio State if you're a Michigan player and getting to travel there all four years as a starting quarterback. Well, by the fourth year, you'd be a lot more comfortable with it, I'm sure. So that's the first reason why it's more important in collegiate sports. These players don't get as much opportunities to get used to those environments. I'm sure it's tough to play in Pittsburgh as a Baltimore Raven, but I bet Ray Lewis didn't seem you know seem to think it was as bad by the later point in his career. The second reason is because they're professionals. And professionals don't make mistakes as often as college kids do. Execution is important. If I have a crazy home field advantage, the whole point is to make your team execute poorly. 
Well, guess what? Professionals execute a lot better regardless of where they are because they're professionals. It nullifies the effects of home field advantage to a certain degree because they don't make as many mistakes. Home field advantage thrives off of mistakes. Sacks, punts that are blocked or returned, kicks that are returned for touchdowns. Those kind of plays make the difference and also spice up the home field advantage. And it happens professionally every once in a while. Imagine a blocked punt in New Orleans. Place to go insane, the roof would almost lift off. But those things don't happen as much professionally, and it nullifies the effects of home field advantage. On the contrary, these things happen quite a bit. Crazy things happen in college football that we honestly can never explain. And for some reason every year, we're surprised that these crazy things happen. And guess what? The home field advantage is maybe not the reason it happened, but it thrives off of it. And it makes the opposing team even more scared to play there. That's just my opinion. But when you have to name or list the best college atmospheres, that, that's a tr- tricky list for anybody. Most of the time it's because, well, how consistent are they at being a great home field advantage? You know, does when it get cold outside or the, the fans not come out as much? If the team's struggling, do the fans not care as much? Or the opposite. Take Alabama, for example. If the team's up by a lot or playing a crummier opponent, do the fans not seem to care? Consistency plays a large role in how we view these home field advantages in college sports. But I can promise you, it doesn't matter if it's football or basketball, college sports tend to have better home field advantages. Again, there's always exceptions. But what if I told you this list of the best atmospheres in college sports, especially, let's focus it on football now, but there's a lot of great college basketball environments. What if I told you that you would have to list the best college atmospheres, best venues, environments, toughest places to play, whatever category you'd like to choose. And I told you that we were looking for the best they got. Maybe not the most consistent, but on any given night, the best they can offer. Are they on your list? So you might have an LSU at night game. You might have a Northwestern at 11 a.m. because that's a pretty tough place to play when no one's there and it's early in the morning for an East Coast team. No offense, Northwestern. Whatever the case may be, I think that list would be a little bit easier to come up with. It wouldn't be perfect. People would still have some discrepancies. But overall, I think we'd be able to come up with a more consistent list by taking out consistency. And I have to take my bias out of this and admit that I am you know, opinionated when it comes to this. But there are a lot of people around this country that believe this and continue to show support for, for why this atmosphere is the best in the country. And the story I'm going to tell you today is about the Penn State and the Lions. More importantly, it's about their annual whiteout in Beaver Stadium 
once a year. Now, before I can tell you this story, I have to tell you how the Nittany Lions got here, and some of the history isn't pretty. I first have to tell you about the dark years. And no, I'm not talking about the Jerry Sandusky scandal-sanctioned years. I'm talking much earlier than that. From 2000 to 2003, Penn State was 22 and 26. They were ugly. Alumni were missing the days when Penn State was going up and down the field and stopping every offense they came across on defense. Well, that wasn't the case anymore. Penn State had lost its shine. People didn't believe anymore that this team was ever going to reach success again. It had been almost 20 years since they won a national championship. Their last truly successful year was in 1999. People were starting to guess whether or not Joe Paterno was ever going to be successful again. Some people already were kicking him out the door. Well, 2004 wasn't much more success for the Nittany Lions. But something happened in 2004 that makes the Penn State whiteout so important today. And it all starts because of a guy named Guido D'Elia, who is a former director of football communications and branding. His idea was to unify the student section by making them all wear one color. Because it's easier to get a student section and a group of people to do things, to lead them if they're all wearing the same color. You can almost call it a uniform. Well, they chose white because most people have white t-shirts. I would say 99% of you listening have a white t-shirt in your closet right now. And Guido didn't even care if it was a Penn State shirt. They just wanted everyone in a uniform. Because when people are in a uniform, you can direct them a lot better. You can lead them a lot better. So that's what his plan was. Get everyone in a lawyer white and unify the entire Beaver Stadium, especially the students. P.J. Mullen, who's currently the director of marketing for Penn State, said this about the whiteout and Guido. Quote, The whiteout is the greatest scene in American sports. Penn State fans, past and present, hold some of their most sacred moments at Penn State whiteout games. When Guido came up with the idea back in the early 2000s, he was trying to figure out a way to unify a crowd and make them one gigantic force. Songs and chants and cheers are great. But wearing one color that symbolizes our class, dignity, and pride was a true rally cry for the fans to come together as one. For those that have seen hundreds of arenas and stadiums, they consistently say the whiteout is the best scene in the land. I am grateful to be a tiny piece of the best show in college football. End quote. So Guido comes up with this plan, and now it's how do we market this plan and get these students to buy in? Because nothing would be worse than trying to white out the student section and then failing. You'd never get another chance at it again. People would make a mockery of you. So you have to do some old school marketing because, again, this is 2004. There's no Twitter. 
Facebook is basically non-existent as far as sports marketing goes. And Penn State apparently at the time didn't allow marketing to email students directly on their Penn State email addresses. So they had to do what they call, quote, guerrilla marketing, unquote. And that involved posters and running around campus and having students, you know, give reminders of whatever classes they were in, people standing on street corners, people holding up big megaphones and yelling at people across the street, reminding people constantly to wear white if you're a student for this 2004 game. It's hard to even imagine that now. I mean, imagine trying to share the news, trying to get your friends to do something and not having you know any tools as far as social media is concerned. Any sports marketers out there listening to this, imagine the stress and anxiety you would have if you couldn't use social media to push out your ideas. It's actually kind of frightening. Will people do this? Are people going to be successful at this? What if we didn't get to people in time? And remember, it was only two weeks. It's frightening. And again, this is not a time when things were going great for Penn State football and you can keep trying things. This is during the dark years. People are already not very motivated to support the team as they are. You know, even a year from now, especially now. Tim Ford from the Daily Collegian wrote, quote, There were those still hoping the Nittany Lions' losing record could be swung around the right direction. A big upset over a powerful team would be cool, right? End quote. It would be cool. Unfortunately, it wouldn't happen. Penn State loses to Purdue 13-20. They do have a Hail Mary at the end of the game, so it is close, but they do lose. And you thought maybe this would be the end of the whiteout, and you'd never see it again. Also from the Collegian, quote, following the tough defeat, Lions fans filled out of the stadium, accepting their lot as the has-beens of the college football world, end quote. The has-beens of the college football world. I can only imagine the hot takes that were coming out in 2004. But you have to give a lot of credit to the Penn State marketers and, and the people around the program at this time to keep it positive and finding new ways to, to keep the spirits up. Because it's very easy to go down a slippery slope if you're a Penn State fan right now and they're just fire everybody, fire everything, and, and not really support the team. Well, in... Regardless of what happened in 2004, the rest of the year, the student whiteout was still considered a success. Wade Malcolm wrote, quote, You students marched into Beaver Stadium like an army, an army, for the Purdue game, decking yourselves out in so much white that the student section looked brilliant. That was on October 18, 2004, end quote. An army. To be fair, an army, you know, the student section of Penn State's around, you know, just over 20,000. All wearing white would look like an army. It was a uniform. And I do think when that uniform is on and you're wearing white, it is a lot more uh, conforming to do what everyone else is doing. The DJ at Beaver Stadium, who just happens to be PJ Mullen, who was given a quote earlier, has a lot more say of what you're going to do when you're all wearing the same color, it's amazing how uniforms work. 
Well, besides a couple, you know, local newspapers and beat writers supporting the whiteout, it didn't get that much attention in 04. But that would greatly change the following year. In 2005, things would greatly change for Penn State football. Number one, Penn State football was a lot better in 2005. They ended up going to the Orange Bowl and beating Florida State in a Bowden versus Paterno showdown. If you ask people what they thought about the 2004 season, they'd say the defense was great, but the offense slowed down the defense. And that's probably true. But in 2005, things came together. Another reason why things were so successful was in 2004, they finished the year with wins against Indiana and Michigan State. Oh, and by the way, they brought back 18 starters from 2004. We talked about how the offense was struggling. Well, they brought back eight starters on offense. Oh, and this one guy named Michael Robinson. It was basically their do-it-all player at Penn State. But then only played at quarterback in 2005. The great defense was also back. Now, for you to understand this defense, this defense didn't allow more than 21 points in a single game in 2004. So they weren't losing games by getting blown out. They were losing games because they literally couldn't score an offense. Well, Penn State goes on a tear early on. I mean, they beat South Florida, they beat Cincinnati, they beat Central Michigan at home. Then they play at Northwestern, almost lose. I think they win by five. Then they play Minnesota at home, and they blow out Minnesota. And then a huge matchup against Ohio State. If you were listening closely, you'd realize that Penn State had not one, two, three, four, but five of their first six at home. Not too shabby to start off the year. Not too shabby at all. And it took all the way until October 8th when they play Ohio State for them to be ranked. So they're 5-0 and going into this game against Ohio State. They're 16th in the country. Ohio State is number 6 in the country. College game day shows up. I mean, this is a pinnacle of success. I mean, this is like Penn State revival. After the dark years, this is the comeback season that's going to change everything for Joe Paterno. And what better way to unite the students once again than a Penn State whiteout? And a common theme throughout the whiteout and people discussing whether or not the whiteout does make an impact is whether or not they actually win games. They lose that first whiteout game against Purdue. They are also 9.5 point underdogs. They only lose by 7. This year, 2005, they're 3.5 point underdogs to Ohio State. Well, Ohio State comes into this game and there's really only two things that shine in this football game. The Penn State student section and the Penn State defense. Former Penn State linebacker Dan Connor said, quote, My helmet was shaking. 
When you play at Penn State, it's always loud. But any one of those whiteout games, especially the night ones, it was a different level. End quote. Their story is that offensive linemen couldn't hear each other two feet away from one another. And of course, Kirk Herbstreit that night says, quote, the best student section in the country. They're crazy. End quote. The Penn State whiteout in 2005 by the students left a permanent mark on the whiteout history. Since then, you know, people remember the 05 game way more than anything happened in 04. And that 05 game, because they won that game, created, as underdogs, I should state, created this idea that when there's a whiteout game, it doesn't matter who comes into Beaver Stadium, the Nittany Lions have a fighting chance. Stuart Mandel said after that 05 game, quote, You've read enough by now about Joe Paterno, Derek Williams, and the like. Let's take a moment to salute the Penn State student section. Their organized whiteout against Ohio State was so effective that it looked like someone was shining a great spotlight on them throughout the game. End quote. Now, instead of just local attention, Penn State was earning national attention for their whiteouts. I'm not a Penn State marketer, but I'm assuming that's a pretty darn good thing. And whiteout was there to stay from that point on. Immediately, Penn State wanted to do a full stadium whiteout the following year in 2006. Guido, again, the founder of this whole whiteout, fought tooth and nail to keep them from doing this. They're like, no, 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 we don't have a great game this year for it. Let's hold it off because you do a full stadium whiteout and it sucks, then you ruin it. And we're right on the verge of this becoming a renowned national thing. Hold off. And he gets them to hold off in the 2006 season. Which was the right thing to do. By the way, Penn State loses to Michigan in 2006, which would have probably been the whiteout game that year. Michigan was number four in the country at the time. But then 2007, they have the perfect opportunity. Notre Dame early in the season, so you don't have to worry about poor weather. And a quarterback named Jimmy Clausen coming to town. Jimmy Clausen was his true freshman quarterback for Notre Dame. That was the wonder boy, the poster child for Notre Dame's success. He was going to lead Notre Dame to this incredible victory. Notre Dame doesn't score an offensive touchdown in 2007. In the first, the inaugural Penn State whiteout. Full stadium whiteout. Nothing's better than that. The defense suffocates Clawson all day long. They end up winning the game from a score about 31 to 10. The only reason they got 10 points is because Anthony Morelli threw an interception to Darren Wallace and Wallace took it back for a touchdown. You thought after the touchdown early in the game, but maybe it would take the crowd out of it. But this Penn State whiteout crowd and this Penn State defense suffocated Notre Dame that day. And all of a sudden, they've had two whiteouts now at Penn State in 05 and 07. They've been very successful. They upset number six Ohio State, and now they just blew the doors off of Notre Dame. 
all of a sudden, it doesn't even matter if the whiteout truly does give the, the home field an advantage. In their minds, it does. In their minds, it does. And that's all that really matters. That quote by Henry Ford saying, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That quote, 100% provides a Penn State whiteouts. Maybe they do or maybe they don't make a difference. But if you believe they make a difference and you're playing in that game, then it does to you. It doesn't matter if it actually makes a difference or not. The psychological advantage it gives the Penn State players that are playing at home is all that truly matters. There's a lot of games, when you look back at it, that they shouldn't have even really been in at all. And they fought to, you know, they fought to the end. And a lot of times they end up winning some of these games they shouldn't have won. I'm not going to go through the whole history of the whiteout, but I wanted to lay down a foundation of why the whiteout is so important. Because it started in a time of desperation for Penn State. 2011, they played Alabama and they lost by 16. Probably didn't even have to you know, really be in that game at all. But actually, in that game, Nick Saban had to fake a punt early in the game to get some of the momentum back. It's a great, great call by him. Following the year in 2012, they also lose to number nine, Ohio State. Again, 2012 was basically the beginning of the Sandusky scandal. And that was, they had a well-fought game in that game, but things just didn't go their way for, for, for Penn State. 2013, of course, is the year they shocked Michigan, number 18th ranked Michigan, go to quadruple overtime and win 43-40. to That's the Allen Robinson catch, the great play from Christian Hackenberg and he's still a true freshman. They're two and a half point underdogs in that game. The following year, 2014, they play Ohio State again. It's going to become a common theme. Since 2012, it's been Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, and then Michigan again this year. Ohio State, I believe, goes a double overtime to beat Penn State. This Ohio State team is the Ohio State team that ends up beating Alabama and wins the national championship, by the way. They were 14-point favorites coming in the, the whiteout. And they won, I guess, by seven, but they went to overtime. I always thought that was weird how the covers worked for overtime. I feel like you get to overtime and you win by seven. Doesn't seem fair. Anyway, the following year they played Michigan. And that Michigan game in 2015 was at noon. Doesn't have the exact same effect because why the whiteout is so successful in some parts and why it's so chromatic and why it's such a visual, astonishing to look at is because of the contrast. These blackout games, and I believe Kirk Herbstreit has said this a lot, these blackout games that Ohio State and other schools have done don't look as great at night because there's no contrast. I always thought Iowa should do a gold out because that at least pops off in the night sky. So that Michigan game white out at noon. It was an awful game I had to watch. Michigan ends up winning by, I believe, 12. They're four-point favorites going into that game. And again, that 2012 to 2015, Penn State was getting destroyed by sanctions. 
and they're playing number 9, number 18, number 13, number 14. They only win one of those games, but they send two of them to overtime. And in those games, Ohio State in 2012 and Michigan, excuse me, in 2015 are the only ones where they uh, are unsuccessful as far as covering the spread. And then 2016 happens. In 2005, what that game meant for the university during the dark years is what 2016 meant post-sanctions for Penn State. Number two, Ohio State Buckeyes come into town. Uh, Penn State's already lost two games during this season. Ohio State is 19.5 point favorites. 19 and a half. When should a team ever be 19 and a half point favorites going into Beaver Stadium? I'm not sure about that. And you know what happens in this game, of course. Marcus Allen blocks a field goal. Grant Haley picks it up and he scores. Takes the lead and then the defense suffocates JT Barrett in the final couple minutes of the game. Penn State walks off. You know, crowd storms the field. That was a kind of turning point for Penn State. They ended up winning the Big Ten Championship that year and haven't looked back since. I mean, they've played great football since then. Obviously, 2018, Ohio State gets their revenge. They win in the whiteout by one point. I believe they are four-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. But jumping back real quick, in 2017, Michigan comes to town. And a lot like Michigan's coming to town uh, this weekend. Where they're number 19 in the country. They're not sure what's going on here. Uh, they're nine-and-a-half-point underdogs to Penn State. Well, they end up losing 4-2 to 13. So there's a lot of similarities in the game coming up this weekend. So I wanted to give you that quick rundown of the history there because although it seems like they're not successful in a lot of these games, number one, they played a ranked opponent in a whiteout game since 2011 when Alabama came to town. And number two, they went through some dark years at the beginning of that and then they went through sanctioned years in the middle of that. So your best teams, when you're, mo- and you're, when you're sanctioned, or you're just not very good, the whiteout seems to be pretty successful, at least at covering the spread and making the games interesting. Head coach James Franklin loves the Penn State whiteout game. He talks about it all the time. Quote, the only thing I like more than Christmas is a whiteout football game. I am jacked up like I am every year because the environment is so special. I think Beaver Stadium on a normal game day is a top five environment. A whiteout game day is something you don't really understand unless you come and experience it for yourself. And it really is a special, special treat. There's nothing truly like a sea of white. Commentators from ESPN, from everywhere, say how special it is to call one of those games. From a marketing perspective, it's a genius thing, and Penn State deserves a lot of credit for it. But there's also a bigger impact. Obviously, they affect the game. The whiteout affects the team coming in there. Urban Meyer just said the other day, the best thing about the whiteout this year is he doesn't have to coach the opposing team for it. He doesn't have to be there. 
That says something. When Urban Meyer, who actually had a lot of success playing Penn State in his whiteout games, who has coached everywhere and has won national championships, says that that is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, environments in the country. Because it's so foreign for these kids. These... These players don't see things like this all the time, even in college sports, even in the Big Ten, where there's a lot of great home field advantages. You only get to play there once or twice. So you're not going to get used to it. Like I said at the beginning of this whole podcast, you're never going to get used to it. And because of that, you can never prepare yourself. And if you execute poorly, it's a positive feedback. When you do something wrong, the crowd gets louder. That impacts you. When you come out of your visitor locker room and you're trying to walk out of the tunnel and there's basically just people being held back by security, yelling at you, throwing things at you, that takes an effect on you. When you get out onto the field and you're trying to talk to someone and you can't even talk to the person two feet away, that makes a difference. I think it's important these stories to put yourselves in those shoes. Yes, I'm sure it's exciting. I mean, yes, the com- competition and the competitive side of these opposing players comes out. But it doesn't make it any easier. As an offensive lineman, you can't really go to any complicated snap count because you won't be able to hear it. So you have to be simple with your snap and your cadences, which gives a defensive lineman even more of an advantage. They can time it easier, and that gives you a huge disadvantage. So there's an actual game impact right there. I mean, think of it. 111 decibels by Joe Hermit was recorded in 2014, I believe. That is what they say, 14 decibels shy of what they would consider pain in the year. That's phenomenal. But I would argue that the greatest impact of the whiteout, besides the amazing marketing against Penn State, besides the whatever amount of impact you think it makes on the game itself, which I do think is incredibly important, but people will argue that. And they should argue that. The biggest important, though, it has is recruiting. Grant Haley, who picked up that blocked field goal and returned for a touchdown in 2016, said, quote, the whiteout is one of the reasons why you come to Penn State, end quote. And that can't be more truthful. Penn State will have probably around over 100 recruits on Saturday for this game. And it makes a difference. As I mentioned, I can't, you know, I'm biased about this, I sat in those front rows of those whiteout games, and they march all the recruits through the student section. They're getting high fives. Life's great for them. They don't say, hey, these are the recruits, but everyone knows. Obviously, that makes an impact. It doesn't even matter if they win or lose the game. Seeing those things, why would you not want to play in front of that environment? Even when Penn State's bad, those games are obviously you know still on the ABC in prime time quite a bit. Why would you not want to play in that environment? And that recruiting gives you an advantage in later whiteout games against even tougher opponents. So I do think it makes a difference on the field, but I think it makes a little bigger difference in recruiting. No one else in the country besides one or two schools even gets close to the numbers that Penn State has usually. But when they somehow cram in 112,000 for a whiteout game at night, forget about it. Why would you want to play anywhere else if home field advantage in a stadium atmosphere like that means something to you as a recruit? It's that simple. So Penn State will 
come into this game on Saturday against Michigan with a lot of excitement. They just beat Iowa. They see the rest of their schedule and they think they can beat everyone on it. Except for maybe Ohio State on the road, but we'll get there. First, they have to go through this Michigan team. We weren't giving them very much credit to. They got a couple more uh, tests against Michigan State and Minnesota. But it's going to be one big celebration in Happy Valley this weekend. Game day is going to be there. They're going to be crazy loud from the get-go. I remember when I was there in 2017, students started lining up for college game day to get into the pit. I'm not kidding you. At midnight, 12.30, there were already students lined up. At 3 in the morning, they had a backyard football game on the middle of Old Main Lawn. I mean, it's incredible what these students will do just to be a part of this atmosphere. And hopefully they never get sick of it and they appreciate it. Because these are the good old days. I saw a tweet earlier. And they said, hey, remember, these are the good old days. Imagine if you were a student in 2002, 2003, never getting to experience things like this. So I hope the students enjoy it. I hope all college football fans enjoy it because it is a special environment, whether you're there in person or on TV, although I will highly recommend you need to find a way to get to a wideout game in person because it is a party and it is an incredible atmosphere. I'd say most visiting fans even enjoy going because it's just it's a spectacular view. And it's going to be tough for Michigan to walk in there and, and steal the energy from this team because it it doesn't matter if you even jump out ahead of really the Penn State wideout one of its main qualities and why it's probably one of the top environments in the country is it's enduring it doesn't matter if you make one or two plays you make one mistake if your execution is poor which is again why collegiate sports is so much important when it comes to home field advantage than it is in the professional sports if you make one mistake if you execute poorly they'll jump on you right away James Franklin was asked about whether or not the Penn State football team would ever wear white at home. And it's an NCAA rule where they have to wear dark colors uh, unless the visiting team approves you know, the, the switch to let them wear white and the visiting team can wear you know, a darker color. Well, Michigan probably isn't going to do that anytime soon. Ohio State probably isn't going to do that anytime soon, so you should get used to the blue. That's all I have today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you like story I was able to tell for you and um, I hope this whiteout lives up to the hype of previous years I guess in a way you could call this next session the, the postscripts of the story I just told you uh, for those that don't know my name is Corey Lestoki C-O-R-Y L-E-S-T-O-C-H-I you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Lestoki. You may also donate to me if you enjoy this podcast. I only really ask for a dollar if you listen to long. A dollar a show seems pretty reasonable. I enjoy telling these stories. I enjoy telling you a lot more stories, not just about Penn State football, but about all college sports. For the most part, I plan to keep my opinion out of it. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts and shows about college football but not a lot of them just talk about football in a, in a more non-opinionated way. That's what I plan to do with this podcast. Again, if you have any questions or feedback, please reach out to me. Have a good one.